Hey everybody, Chuck here with this week's Saturday Select Pick of the Week. Uh, I'm going uh, for Scooby Doo this week. Scooby Doo, where are you? Uh, we, you know, enjoy doing our pop culture episodes and some classic TV shows here and there, and Scooby Doo certainly falls into that category. So I think everyone should enjoy this one if you haven't heard it, and maybe if you have, give it another listen because there might be a secret code embedded. I'm just kidding. There really isn't, but enjoy. Welcome to Stuff You Should Know from HowStuffWorks.com. Welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark. With me, as always, is Charles W. Chuck Bryant. He is no longer older than me. We are both seven years old at this moment, right? I knew you'd catch up eventually. I just came home from elementary school. My backpack has just made a thud on the floor. Uh-huh. And uh, the Your Flintstones have just gone off. And thank God, you know. Oh, I love the Flintstones. And um, on comes Scooby-Doo. I'm not here, though. It doesn't matter. What do you mean you're not here? I'm making out with some girl in no, the front No, we're, we're both seven. I know. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone knows I was a late bloomer. That's not true. You were quite the Casanova, Chuck. Nah. Okay. Um, it, and it didn't matter. Although I could have told you within the first half of a second of hearing the theme song what Scooby-Doo is about to come on. Which episode? What, what version? Because remember, uh, there's yeah. ten... Ten... 10.7 million incarnations of Scooby-Doo. Yeah, there's right? a lot of them. Uh, what you just heard was, of course, the Russian version of the Scooby-Doo theme. Huh? Those of you who grew up in Vladivostok in Moscow. They're probably rocking out to it. Sure. Scooby-Doo. Yeah, <laughs> that's pretty good, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's great. Yeah, that was from the, uh, well, again, the Russian version of the new Scooby-Doo movies. But, I mean, the ones that I was used to were um, Scooby-Doo, Where Are You?, which is, of course, the first one. Yeah, to me, that is, those 25 episodes, that was Scooby-Doo. See, I, I think it extends... A little bit, but more to for, me, It's more sure. encompassing than that. I'm a little older, though. But it only runs up to the limits of my nostalgia. I, I don't watch it these days. No, I don't either. I have to say, though, I'm heartened to know that Scooby-Doo's still in the world. Yeah. As a matter of fact, I read a, uh, a study, Chuck, okay. from 2010, where they were trying to figure out if cartoon characters have an effect on children's do- decisions with food. So they gave kids like some boxes that had gummy bears, granola, just some it was snack food, right? Was there a Scooby snack in there? No. Oh. Um, and then they gave them boxes of the exact same stuff, but rather than like plain non-cartoony boxes uh-huh. they had cartoon characters on the boxes uh-huh. they had this is a 2010 study so they had Shrek uh-huh. Dora the Explorer yeah. and Scooby-Doo no way guess which one of those three cartoon characters was 40 years old at the time um Shrek no. the Explorer no no Scooby-Doo 40 years. 40 years. The other two were like 10 years old at the time, and they're using this on four to six-year-olds, and Scooby-Doo's still making them eat gummy bears. Well, I breezed through that Slate article you sent that really sums it up nicely. What an, And that's the reason we're doing Scooby-Doo and we're not doing uh, 
I, I'm trying to think of some fly-by-night cartoon. Yeah, the Jetsons. Or no, fly-by-night, shirt tails, but awesome. <laughs> Love the shirt tails. Scooby-Doo, the reason we're doing this is because it has persevered through the years like Muppets and become so iconic that it's more than a cartoon. Yeah, in, in that Slate article, there's a they, they quote the guy who created Clarissa Explains It All. And he's like, no one can explain why Scooby-Doo is so iconic, right. so popular. Yeah. Because he's like, it's not it's not the best, it's not the worst. Right. So why has it been around for 40 years? And he's yeah. like, you know, every cartoon creator is like, why can't my crappy cartoon become iconic? Right. You know? I, I mean, they don't even, there's no answer, is there? There isn't. And that's part of the allure of Scooby-Doo. There, there are proposals, like everybody loves a dog. Sure. Um, everybody loves a mystery. Sure. Uh, one of the... Um, one of the the reasons it's enduring to kids, this author supposes, is because they don't do like the ironic like double entendre script, right. yeah, yeah, to where you know adults get it and kids get it, but yeah. really, you it's know, all for kids. It was all for kids. Plus, kids like uh, the reason, probably for the same reason that things like Nancy Drew and the Hardy Boys have persevered, is because kids doing adult like things like solving mysteries and getting the best and the, getting the best of adults. Mm-hmm. Kids love that stuff. I was the three investigators fan. Did you read them? No. Uh, it was uh, the three. It was Alfred Hitchcock's nephew and his two friends. Oh, really? It was awesome. I was big into uh, Encyclopedia Brown. I loved him too. Yeah. Remember when he busted the kid who was faking crying because yeah. the tears were coming out of the, the wrong ends of the eyes? Uh huh. Yeah. I could never figure him out though. I always felt dumb. I don't know if I ever figured any out either. You yeah. shouldn't feel dumb. They okay. were they were purposely made to obfuscate the truth. <laughs> All right, so Dictionary Brown was great. Encyclopedia. Oh, yeah, right. Scooby-Doo, let's go to the history. How about that? The birth of Scooby. Yeah, because it wasn't, it wasn't immediate. No, it was not. Well, it was an immediate hit, but it wasn't an immediate... Uh, took a while to get on the air. Yes. Some incarnations happened, Josh. First one, Scooby-Doo, where are you? Uh, originally, um, well, let's go back a little bit before. Originally, it was called uh, Who's Scared? And then they had another name that kind of stuck for a little while called... Mysteries 5. Yeah. And uh, originally it was based on what was the radio show? I Love a Mystery? I Love a Mystery slash Dobie Gillis, the TV show. Which is what Shaggy's based on. He's like a beatnik. He's based on Manergy Krebs. Uh-huh. Fred is based on Dobie. Yeah. Or other stuff. The other way to look at it is that they were based in large part on the Archie gang and Shaggy takes after Jughead. Ah, I didn't see that. Yeah. Interesting. But. And I'm an Archie guy. There were there wasn't even a dog in the in the original versions. Well, not in the very original version. There was no dog at all. Then no. Mysteries Five comes along. Right. There is Jeff Geoff of all things. Geoff. Mike, Kelly, Linda, Linda's brother W W. <laughs> this is just unsettling the unfamiliarity. And a dog called Too Much. Yeah, who is Shaggy? War. Like he was a shaggy dog, uh-huh. wore sunglasses, and yeah. played the bongos. Yeah, because they were a band. That was the original concept that they were a band. Right. So the dog played the bongos. And they, they were worried. They had a great Dane idea at first. Then they were worried that the makers of Marmaduke sure. were going to be like, you ripped us off. Of course. And they tried too much and were like, too much sucks. Well, and Archie had a uh, a sheep dog, so they steered away from that to the, the, the great Dane, I think gotcha. is why. And then Jeff and Mike became... they. Merged became Ronnie, <laughs> and then Ronnie eventually became Fred. 
Kelly became Daphne, Linda became Velma, mm-hmm. W.W. became Shaggy, but was no longer uh, Daphne's brother. Right. So, But it seems like I've heard of some sort of distant relation that they made reference to in Scooby-Doo. Like they were somehow... Daphne and Shaggy? Yeah, well, they were somehow related, but not brother and sister. Oh, interesting. I could just be making that up, though. Maybe. Yeah. All right, so that's um, how it was for a little while. Then it eventually became the the Scooby-Doo as we know and love, became the Great Dane, as we said. Right, and we left somebody out. There's a studio exec who has been, who was totally instrumental in this creation. Like, he ordered the show from Hanna-Barbera. His name was Fred Silverman. Yep. As far as I know, Fred's named after him, right? Oh, really? And the whole reason there was a dog in there was because Joe Ruby and Ken Spears, the writers and developers of Scooby-Doo. Two young guns at the time. Right. They knew that um, Fred Silverman loved dogs. He was a dog guy. So that's the whole reason they inserted a dog in there. So these two young writers like, yeah, put a, put a dog in there and the exec will love it. Right. And they asked Joe Barbera of Hanna-Barbera if they could do that. And Barbera's response is, do whatever you want. And so they put the dog in. <laughs> he didn't care. Right. Um, but Fred Silverman also had an even bigger impact on Scooby-Doo, didn't he? Uh, the name Scooby-Doo? Yep. Yeah, he got that supposedly from Dooby-Dooby-Doo, mm-hmm. Frank Sinatra, Strangers in the Dark. Night. Night. Same thing. Yeah, it was dark. The night is dark. <laughs> Unless he's in Alaska. <laughs> wow, the banner is exceptionally quick today. Thank you. Uh, so Fred was, um, this was kind of a, a landmark show at the time because he wanted a half hour show mm-hmm. and cartoons weren't half hour shows at the time. No, they were like Yogi Bear. It was like eight minutes and then yeah. eight minutes and eight minutes. Or, or in the case like of that. like the Flintstone, that was a primetime thing. So this was geared towards Saturday morning programming. Mm-hmm. And he wanted to have a full half-hour plot line and a little more substance going on. He also um, wanted to steer away from violence. Uh, this the, Scooby-Doo came onto the scene at a time when cartoon networks were, um, well, networks that showed cartoons were increasingly under pressure yeah. from parents groups, family groups, church groups to stop showing as much violence in cartoons. Like Johnny Quest, there's a lot of rock'em, sock'em action in that. Yeah. And um, so they, they decided that Scooby-Doo and his, his buddies would outwit villains rather than sure. beat them up. Yeah, there were never even, like, punches thrown in Scooby-Doo, much less... You know, mock gun violence. Right, <laughs> exactly. And and um, yeah, those guns in Johnny Quest were cool, though the two handle yeah. guns, of course. Um, but think about it: like we wouldn't have had like all the contraptions that Fred came up with, uh-huh. or, or any of them came up with, like the uh, the net that like you know you tripped and it just pulled you up or uh-huh. whatever. Well, I think that was a thing. Right, it was, but <laughs> you don't need that if you just punch the guy. Yeah, yeah, true. So this whole aspect, that these elaborate traps that they always ended up setting that Scooby and Shaggy had to bait the bad guy into uh-huh. was a result of this uh, movement toward nonviolence. Yeah. Well, at first, cool. cartoons, uh, they pointed out in this article, which I didn't realize, cartoons at the time before this, no one had really cared about the violent thing because they weren't really geared toward kids. They were yeah. shown before movies to general audiences in the theaters. Yeah. And then when it jumped to TV, kids started watching them clearly because they're cartoons, and they. That's what they kids should do. do. A study like that, like why are kids inherently just like drawn to a drawn image? Yeah, they're dumb, stupid kids. And uh, 
then people started saying, wait a minute, kids are watching these things now. We yeah. should have something nonviolent. Right. And now Australia is outlawing direct marketing to kids. So good for you, Australia. Indeed, Josh. Indeed. Uh, when, and we should mention September 13th, 1969, is when Scooby-Doo finally appeared, and it was a big hit right off the bat. Yeah. Here's a bit of trivia for you. The first uh, episode ever showed was titled... Yeah, I didn't even know this. What a night for a night. And the second night is K-N-I-G-H-T. What a night. And was it a ghost night, probably? Yes. Yeah. You've seen it before a million times. It's yeah. on. It's in the intro montage. Yes. yes, yes, yes. The night with the red plume. Uh-huh. Yeah. Absolutely. That was it. Uh, and that, Josh, is a staple of Scooby-Doo. There was um, many times they were fighting zombies and ghosts and demons. Mm-hmm. But to take a little bit of the scare out of it because that's what they were originally the only time they were really worried was the fact that there was so many like scary elements but they were always humans projecting uh, projecting a, a ghost on the wall of the cave right there was never obviously any real ghost because it was even though it was cartoon it was rooted in reality it was right. always a criminal yeah and there's a there's a couple of things at play here which I didn't think about until I started researching this but um Junior Skeptic magazine had uh-huh. this um, issue dedicated to Scooby-Doo because it, it's like it's based on a completely skeptical view of the universe. Yeah, especially Fred. You know, there's not ghosts. It's, it's all it's very empirical. Like, yeah. there's a ghost right there, but it can't be a ghost because there's no such thing as ghosts. So let's get to the bottom of it. And there is like some sort of human explanation of yeah. it. And yeah. that, well, like I said, that was Fred. That was his. Well, let's get into the characters. Fred was. They all had their roles. Mm-hmm. Fred was a skeptic. He was the leader of Mystery Incorporated. And he was usually the one saying nine times out of ten, he was like, no, that can't be that. It is this. And then we'll get to the bottom of it. Yep. That was Fred's role. He was a very dapper, dandy guy with his scarf on his neck. It's called a cravat, Chuck. <laughs> is that what it's perfectly called? normal people wear cravats, okay? <laughs> so you've got one? <laughs> you don't. He was very handsome, a little square. No, he's a he was a prep. He was a prep, and he was he's a the, little aloof, maybe. If you can say, yeah, he was he was the leader because he was the one that was always trying to keep everyone on task and get the mystery solved. And he was voiced by uh, Frank Welker, right? And still is today, if I'm not mistaken. I don't know. I think he is. I can tell you who has been doing voices from the get go. Who's that? Casey Kasem. Well, no more actually. When did he stop? couple of years ago. Okay, so when did his Top 40 run stop? Because he well, started Scooby-Doo yeah. and his Top 40 hosting duties uh-huh. the same year. No, he did Scooby-Doo longer because okay. he, he did Scooby-Doo all the way up until the latest incarnation. Okay. And Matthew Lillard took over, actually. Really? He's uh-huh. doing it now? He does the voice. Wow. Because he did such an awesome job. Yeah. I mean, I'm no huge Matthew Lillard guy, but when I, I didn't even see the Scooby-Doo movies, I should point out. You didn't? I didn't see them all, but I saw parts, mm-hmm. and I remember thinking... Wow, that dude is shaggy. I remember thinking, like, wow, my eyes are bleeding. <laughs> yeah, I don't think they were the best movies, were they? <laughs> Good casting, though. They raked in some dough. Good casting. <laughs> uh, Austin Roberts was responsible for the famous theme song that they used in the original, and then there was, uh, many times there was also another pop song played while they, yeah. the montage. Yeah, there's a whole bunch of them on YouTube. Yeah, and that was generally Austin Roberts as well. And apparently, if you go onto YouTube and start searching um, Scooby-Doo songs, yeah. you're going to find that they 
if you're not familiar with Scooby-Doo and you just came across these, you would assume that Fred and Daphne were in love and dating. I always assumed that as a kid. Yeah, but if you if you watch it again, like Fred's not paying that much attention to Daphne. No, and he's Daphne, not. she could have taken or left Fred. Yeah, I think that was all just, like, I was a kid and I thought, well, they're clearly the two most attractive. That's projecting our own hormones <laughs> onto Fred exactly and Daphne. exactly what it was. Yeah. So they should be hooking up. Yeah. Josh, I'm going to ask the listeners a question here. I, okay. Listeners? Are we going to sit around for a week or two? No, no, no. It's just rhetorical. Okay. Listeners, if someone came... This is a Fred Noonan-style question. If someone came up to you and introduced themselves as Norval Rogers, how many people do you think would have any kind of reaction to that other than, well, it's nice to meet you, Norval? I say nine out of ten would have no idea that that is Shaggy's name. Yeah. Did you know? I, I knew at some point, but no. I don't think I ever like, knew. Had you walked up to me and asked me that, I would have been like, get out of my face, Norval. Norval Shaggy Roberts was uh, Scooby-Doo's best bud. Mm-hmm. Casey Kasem, as the voice, as you said, yeah. forever. Wait, well, no, it was a finite amount of time. Well. <laughs> uh, of course, one of my favorites, I, I, I think the probably the unsung hero, the real overlooked one, was Velma. Velma Dinkley? Yeah. She had a last name, too. Yeah. That I didn't know. All of them did. I mean, Ruby and Spears, they went to, uh, they went to the mattresses, maybe, you could say, over this. The mat. Sure. <laughs> yeah, Velmi, is, is she your uh, is she your fave? In that, I I root for underdogs. Sure, I tend to. She lost her glasses all the time. She was a little bookish. She was pretty ugly, a little square as yeah. well. Yeah. Um. And uh, she, but she got things done. She was very smart. Yeah. She was suspicious. She was a lot of times she, time she was the one that, like a crooked real estate yeah, developer, yeah, yeah. like anybody else. A lot of times she was the one that kind of put it all together. Yeah. Fred kind of took the credit many times. But because uh, it was the '60s, of course, uh, she was voiced by Nicole Jaffe at first, then later Pat Stevens, mm-hmm. and then do you know who does her voice now on the new one? Mindy Cohn with the Facts of Life. No way, she's Velma Dinkley now. Wow, on the new Scooby Doo show. I've got to check out the new Scooby Doo. It's like a star-studded cast. I know. Well, I haven't seen it, so I'm, I'm, I need to do so as well. Huh. So we got to talk about. Uh, well, Jinkies is her her little catchphrase. Yes, and Zoinks clearly is Shaggy's. Yeah. Everyone knows that. Yeah. What was Daphne's catchphrase? Uh, help, I'm stuck somewhere. <laughs> she used to get in trouble quite a bit. If yeah. somebody was going to fall into a pit or be pulled back into a um, trap door or mm-hmm. a sliding bookcase or something like that. Be separated from the gang. Yeah, it yeah. was Daphne. It was Daphne. They portrayed her as fairly helpless. For many, many years until now, she's evolved a little bit. The yeah. newest incarnation, she knows karate. Cool. A little bit more uh, self-sufficient, doesn't rely. She's not like the, oh, goodness, the damsel in distress type. Right. And, well, the reason um, everybody always made sure to rescue Daphne instead of just leaving her behind. because she was hot. Well, that was one. <laughs> she was also very rich, and her dad yeah. bankrolled Mystery Inc. I did not know that either. He purchased the mystery machine. Uh-huh. Uh, I assume that he probably kept Scooby in Scooby Snacks, maybe gassed up the mystery machine, right. new tires when right. he needed it, that kind of thing. Uh-huh. I don't know what else they needed. Food money? They slept in the mystery machine a lot. Yeah, well, it's assumed so, I guess. You yeah. never really see him sleeping. Yeah. They didn't have a house that I know of. No, they roamed around. Yeah. Yeah. Solving mysteries. Uh, Daphne was voiced by Indira Stefania Christofferson. Then later Heather North, then later Gray DeLeslie. DeLeslie. 
the Leasley. Where are you getting this information? Well, I did a little digging around. Jeez. And uh, then we got to cover the man himself. And by man, I mean dog. Yes. Scoob. Yeah. Don Messick. The great Don Messick voiced Scooby. And if you think he sounds like Astro from the Jetsons, it's because he voiced Astro from the Jetsons, too. Which one is Astro? Oh, the dog. Rastro? Yeah. Yeah. Sounds Who? like Scooby? Yeah. That's because it was the same guy. Yeah. Okay. Uh, who else was there? Was it um, Ayawo Iowa Takamoto? <laughs> Jeez. Yeah, I think he, he's still the uh, a VP at... at uh, Hanna-Barbera? Yeah. But uh, w- did he create Scooby-Doo? I thought Ruby and Spears did. What was I think Takamoto's role? I think he was just on the early development, executive development team okay. and, and remains there today, gotcha. if I'm not mistaken. I'm sure he had a big hand in it, though. He also created um, the, uh, let's see, the Great Gazoo. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, man. And um, what was the Great Gorilla? McGill Gorilla. No. No? The Grape. Oh, the, oh, grape, the grape Ape. ape. Yeah. yeah. He created those two. Really? Yeah. That's a nice track record there. Yeah. So uh, the gang, it's, you know, most of the shows are sort of similar. The gang encounters uh, some mystery, and they usually uncovered at the end. These meddling kids. If it wasn't for you, I would have made off with the loot. It's very by the numbers, which is <laughs> sort of funny that it's this iconic cartoon that's persevered for this many years mm-hmm. because it was all the same. And that that show description you just gave that was geared toward the um, children who were raised by wolves over the last forty years, right? Who's never seen it, right? Yeah. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, really? Yeah. Scooby and Shaggy were always hungry. They loved the Scooby Snacks. They were always scared, and usually they would tempt them with food and to get them to act brave at the last minute. Right. That kind of thing. Well, let's, you want to talk about it now? About what? You know what I'm talking about. Yeah, go ahead. Shaggy and Scooby were always hungry. Yeah, that's fact or fiction here. Uh, I hear fiction. So go ahead and spill it. Well, supposedly... Stop beating around the bush. There's, okay, so, of course, there's the... the, um, the Rumor that Shaggy and Scooby were stoners. Yeah. Right? Long-standing rumor. Well, yeah, and it makes a lot of sense. They're always hungry. They talk, you know, kind of slow and sluggish. Look and at Shaggy. Just, just yeah. look at him. Yes, exactly. Look at the mystery machine. Sure. Yeah. And the, it was 1969 when it premiered, exactly. right? Exactly. I mean, like... It's got flowers on the side. Yeah. They originally a band. So they, they, they just assumed that it was like Ruby and Spears or some of the development guys um, in joke that they made Shaggy and Scooby a, um, uh, a stoners, right? Yeah, and not just assume, but people say that like, oh, no, dude, they, it was just a big inside joke. Right. Like this is almost a conspiracy bent to it. Uh-huh. But um, the people who were there creating these characters swear up and down that they're they're not yeah and apparently you could be like well of course they're not going to say that now why would you want to say that now exactly sure can't come out and say that but fred silverman the guy who's the studio exec Mm -hmm. who had his fingers all involved in this apparently he would never have gone along with that kind of thing he was so involved that he he was he just would have known well, and Takamoto said the same thing. Right. He said this came out years after, you know, the show premiered. It was not a thing. Like, it makes, I get to, I get it, guys, but it's not true. But the beauty of it is, is like, it, it doesn't matter. Takamoto exactly. can say that all day long, <laughs> exactly. and no one's going to believe him, you right, know? Right. I mean, like, 
There's still going to be some 16-year-old that says, hey, man, did you ever notice blank? I think that's like a coming of age. First the hormones and then the um, stoner epiphany. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there was also the the rumor that um, Velma was gay. Mm Mm-hmm. And that's not true either, of course, because they, in the new incarnation, they're hinting. Mindy Cohen's taking her in a really sexual direction. <laughs> well, they're, they're hinting at Shaggy and Velma having a relationship. I don't think they've gone full-blown with it, but wow. they're kind of poking around that area. Well, they always, like, if the gang split up, it was... No, Velma and Daphne went off with Fred, didn't they? Well, it was usually Fred and Daphne, so that was another rumor, was that Fred and Daphne are off doing their thing. Mm-hmm. But that's not true either. Okay. Because Fred, you know. Or is it? Isn't it up to the imagination of the individual? Maybe so. Rather than the intention of the creators. Yeah, we don't want to kill anything. No. You just be a sicko as much as you want, <laughs> dear stuff you should know, listener. Uh, Josh, in 1972, and I don't know if you like these, but the full hour long, the new Scooby-Doo movies started coming out. The ones with the guest stars. All of a sudden, I you have Scooby-Doo with Don Knotts. And Phyllis not, Diller? Not Don Knotts playing someone. Don Knotts is Don Knotts. Right. He was in two. Yeah, Phyllis Diller. Mm-hmm. Who else? Harlem Globetrotters, obviously. They were in Classic. two. I think Batman and Robin were in two. And uh, Three, three Stooges. Three Stooges, yeah. who were actually mostly dead at the time, but they yeah. had their voices done by um, impersonators. Yeah, I wondered about that, actually. Uh, Don Adams from Get Smart. Oh, was he on there? Mm-hmm. Um, oh. Jerry Reed. Little Mary Sunshine, really? she's all right with me. <laughs> Remember? Yeah, yeah. He sang that song and they found him. Wow. It was a, a haunted opera, I think. Sonny and Cher. Mama Cass working at a oh, yeah. candy factory or she owned a candy factory. Uh-huh. That's just mean. Yeah, yeah. Uh, back in the days when obesity was funny. Well, they took the, uh, they took the show to an hour. <laughs> That was a good one. They took the show to an hour, and just in a slightly odd direction, but it worked for me. I enjoyed those shows very much. Sure. And no one seemed to, you know, you could suspend the disbelief that, sure, the Harlem Globetrotters are there in the cave all of a sudden. Right. And they're in their uniforms. Yeah. With a basketball. Sure. Doing tricks. Yeah. Yeah. And it was good press for all them, I'm sure. Although, if you're really having to rethink suspending belief, disbelief when it's a cartoon. (laughs) Yeah. It's time to check in somewhere. Side characters, Josh. Got to mention Scrappy-Doo, who annoyed me a bit. Oh, yeah. There are a lot of people out there that hate Scrappy-Doo. I mean, hate him like he's Hitler's dog. Scrappy was actually uh, Scooby's nephew, and as everyone knows, he was the counter to Scooby. He was very brave and... uh, Maybe brash, you could even say. Yeah, brash. Very much brash. And then... Kind of a a jerk. (laughs) He was a little bit of a jerk. Yeah, he was a troublemaker. And then uh, my favorite, which was Scooby Dumb. Was he your favorite? Yeah, I love Scooby Dumb. He was the like the exploitation character. Yeah. He had like that hat and he had a pork pie hat. He was just dumb looking. He had yeah. a huge southern drawl and yeah, clearly a hillbilly. He was voiced, my friend, by the legendary Dawes Butler. Mm-hmm. And if you're a cartoon fan. Mm-hmm. If you're a cartoon aficionado, you're like, of course, Dawes Butler. Mm -hmm. If you're not, you still are a fan because he did Yogi Bear, Quick Draw McGraw, Snagglepuss, and Huckleberry Hound. That's quite a range. Well, Huckleberry Hound, Quick Draw McGraw, and Scooby Dumb are not a range. But Snagglepuss thrown in there? And that Yogi, was Yogi like, Bear too. It's a shining moment. Yogi Bear too. And he, he has actually a really great long list. I think he did Fred Flintstone for one year or one episode, maybe the pilot, and then he did Barney for a little while. Um, he, I mean, his. You go to his IMDb page, and it's like cartoon all star god, dude. 
Did you go to the Hanna Barbera's corporate page? No. What's it like? They have a page that has like a listing of all their cartoons, and it's alphabetical. Uh-huh. Um, they have everything. They did everything. The only one that I watched that I loved that was not a part of my late youth um, that they didn't do was Thunder of the Barbarian. Yeah, I didn't watch that one. Oh, that was good. I was big into Hong Kong Fooey, though. I think that was them, wasn't it? it everything was. They did <laughs> yeah. um, the Super Friends. Yeah. They did Yogi Bear. Uh-huh. They did um, Adam Ant. Yeah. Like all those cats that hung out with Yogi Bear. Just seen the Pussy Cats, probably. The, yeah, the Hair Bear Bunch. Lots of bears. Teen Wolf. Did you watch the Teen Wolf cartoon? No. There's like four or five episodes. It's pretty cool. Was this after the movie? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. See, I was. I was Beyond cartoons. No, the movie was point. based on the four-episode run cartoon. <laughs> You're like, you know what this needs? It needs Michael J. Fox. Right. That'll bring it back to life. They did everything, though. It was pretty cool. It's like this nice trip down memory lane to yeah. go on Hanna-Barbera's like, page of cartoons that they've done. Well, and that's why Fred Silverman went with them, because they were, at the time, I think they said they did at least more than half of the cartoons on the air at the I time. I can believe it, yeah. It's probably more like 80%. Yeah. That's my guess. Hong Kong Fui was great. Oh, number one super guy. Mm-hmm. Um, let's talk about the animation a little bit. Get into the tech. Yeah, because Hanna-Barbera was responsible for about 50% of the cartoons in existence when Scooby-Doo came out because they figured out how to make cartoons cheap enough for a TV budget, right? It was pretty brilliant. Yeah. It's called Limited or Planned Animation, and uh, full 10 years before, so I guess in the 50s, Late 50s is when they devised this, and it's a very simple concept, but mm-hmm. if a body part doesn't have to move, then you don't have to draw it right? over and over for each frame, yeah. for each cell. Right. So that's why when you look at Scooby-Doo now, sort of clear, you'd be like, why did Shaggy walk? He looked like the upper half of his body never moved, right. and he just had those lopy legs. It's because they didn't want to draw it over and over again. Yeah, they just drew one leg, one leg, one leg. And they yeah. did that using cells, like uh, clear sheets of celluloid. Remember the overhead projector in high school? Yeah. Like those sheets. Acetate the, or celluloid. Right. And the bottom sheet would have Shaggy's upper body, mm-hmm. and then there'd be another sheet with his right leg, another sheet with his left leg, and they just... They only had to animate the two upper sheets yeah. rather than the whole sheet. And that just changed everything. And you can buy those cells... They have this great place in Hollywood that sells like framed original cells from oh, really? like, cartoons. It's nice. Cool. You should get a Simpson cell. I should. Maybe I should get you one one day. Okay. You got me cheap. that can of generic beer from Los Angeles, didn't you? <laughs> I did. That was an nice. Empty can of generic beer. It's nice. It's the best gift. Um, what else, Chuck? Uh, oh, the the cravat you were making fun of about yeah, Fred uh-huh. wearing. Um, was actually a kind of a, an old animator's trick. Well, I thought they did not do that. They did with Fred. Oh, okay. Like that's the reason why he was wearing a cravat, I think. Gotcha. But um, you can you can change facial expressions very easily. You can animate the whole rest of the body mm-hmm. and just change the head and the face, right? If you have separation, right? Yes. But you can't have separation. There's not supposed to be a line between the yeah. neck and the, the sternum. Uh-huh. But there can be if there's a, a cravat there. Yeah, and they say if you pay attention to these older cartoons, you see a lot of neckties and collars. Like, uh, I think Huckleberry Hound had a necktie and a collar. Yep. Remember that? Yep. And Snaggle that was a trick. Puss. Snagglepuss. He, he dressed like a Chippendale, didn't he? He had like the did he have the cuffs, cuffs and like the <laughs> tuxedo. That's weird. That's the second time we've mentioned that on the show. The Chippendale thing. Uh, but they did not have, and this was apparently a Takamoto um, decision, 
they did not have uh, what are called muzzle lines, right? Do you remember right. that that uh, animated show that's in Pulp Fiction that Bruce Willis, when he was a kid, he was oh, watching yeah. Christopher uh, Walken? Clutch Cargo. Okay, yeah, where it's like an animated face and then just like the lips are moving. Yeah. Well, they used to animate just the lips moving and the rest of the face wouldn't, but Takamoto apparently wanted more expression than that, so yeah. we made it so the animators couldn't just draw the mouth and leave right. everything else. He drew too many extra lines that gave expression to the face. Yeah, and the result was they forwarded the the whole animation process. Yeah. Forwarded? Fast forwarded. Yes. Uh, Josh, the rest of the show is a little uh, bit like a regular show. They script it like a regular show. They storyboard it. Mm-hmm. They do the voice recording just like you you know would imagine. Uh, they lay it out and break it down on paper. And then it is sent to animation at that point. Right. Where they lip sync it all to the mouths. And that largely has been done in Korea and other uh, places overseas for many years. Like the, uh, have you seen the Banksy intro to that Simpsons? Yeah. Oh, man, that's awesome. <laughs> oh, man, that is so awesome. <laughs> Did you hear that there was some guy on um, eBay auctioning off Banksy's identity? Oh, really? He had come up with it over the past few years he was researching. Ah, what um, a jerk. The sale price of some of Banksy's pieces and tax records that showed the same amounts. And he put it together and was auctioning off for a million dollars and was about to get it and apparently got paid off. By Banksy? That's what they think. Or, knowing Banksy, the whole thing was Banksy. Ah, uh, good point. Yeah. What a guy. Yeah. So uh, when they animated back in the day, Josh, they traced with ink and then painted uh, onto the back of the acetate. And today, of course, with computers, the drawings are generally scanned, although they do say that there's still a lot of drawing done and most of the uh, coloring and uh, details and things like that are added with computers. Right. So there's and still some purity to that process. Most, most cartoons are not... Uh, live because it's a terrible strain on the animator's wrist. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and here's the other thing too: there is some editing that goes on uh, in post production, but because it's animation, you want to plan it out such that it sort of just runs in a linear fashion, and you don't have to worry about it. So a lot of the editing is um, sound effects editing, other sound editing, uh, adding props and just things to enhance it, stuff like that. Gotcha. So that's the deal there. That is quite a deal. It's a free deal. Takes about six months for one half hour show. They say, "Yeah, it's a long time." Yeah, I mean, think about that. Imagine if they hadn't come up with limited animation, how much that would take, how much longer it would take. Yeah, six months for a show. Is that possible? Well, I don't know if that was no. I think it's now. That's how long it takes. What? I don't know if that's then or now. You know what? We've had some animators and stuff right in. So somebody that we out need there to find out in the industry half hour us, show. Yeah, how long does it take to make a half hour cartoon? Yeah. Everybody we know makes like 15-minute shows. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's kind of true. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had some myths and facts that we've already busted, but one of them we didn't get to was um, there was a myth that the show's characters were based on the five Boston colleges. Yeah, I've not heard this one. I had neither. Fred was uh, Amherst. Daphne was Holyoke, Mount Holyoke. Uh, Velma was Smith College. Shaggy was obviously Hampshire. And the party animal, Scooby, was clearly UMass. And they said that that's not true either. No. In fact, Hampshire College came about a year after Scooby-Doo premiered. So they said... Yeah, that, that one kind of kills that. Yeah, and they, I think Takamoto said, this. these are Bostonians trying to kind of 
get a little regional pride going. But I didn't get if they were from Boston. Or if, they, or if they were supposed to be from Boston. I've not, not sure. heard that. I don't know where, yeah, if Boston people just made it up or if there was some sort of reference to Boston. And here's the other thing I couldn't find that hopefully someone will know, is I seem to remember as a child learning something about them being on a track team at some point. Like uh, Shaggy was on the track team. I, I think I remember some episode where they referenced that. So I couldn't find that. And uh, hopefully there's like some Scooby aficionados that'll say, oh, yeah, of course. Of course. He's a pole vaulter because mm-hmm. he pole vaulted in uh, episode number 24. <laughs> to get away from the wax phantom. Exactly. <laughs> you got anything else? I do, actually. Right. Um, remember we talked about Fred Silverman? If you look at the list of Scooby-Doo incarnations in uh, 1976... It goes from CBS, which originally ran Scooby-Doo, to ABC. Yeah, yeah. And it did that because Fred Silverman went to ABC. So oh, really? This guy loved the show this much. He just took it wherever he went. Yeah. Yeah. i got one more little factoid, too. I saw that Casey Kasem agreed to come back in, uh, not the latest one because Matthew Lillard does it, but I think it was the previous, if he could make Shaggy a vegetarian because he's a big vegetarian. Hmm. And they went, oh, yeah, sure, who cares? <laughs> <laughs> Do whatever you want. Do whatever you want. It doesn't matter. So Matthew Lillard is to Casey Kasem what Ryan Seacrest is to Dick Clark, huh? Uh, Yeah, sure, in a way. Wow. Although Dick Clark still does The Rock and Eve. He just uh, has help. Yeah. He's a co-host now. I know. So that's sort of the same. All right. No, I've got a little more. Oh, okay. If just trolling the internet, you get bored, search Scooby-Doo. Mm-hmm. Among some of the other stuff, you'll find some gems. Mental Floss actually has a um, quiz where you have to guess whether it's an actual real-life event <laughs> or a Scooby-Doo plot. <laughs> Is it hard? It's, yeah, kind of. Some of them. It's pretty neat. Awesome. Just the concept alone means you should take that quiz, right? Well, that means that they found a few things that were so close that they decided to base an article around right. it. Yeah. People do crazy stuff. Sure. Real estate developers, they do nuts <laughs> <Exactly>. stuff. <laughs> um, their uh, list verse has a very cool top ten of odd villains, including the Wax Phantom. Uh-huh. Uh, and then Google, did you notice last Halloween, had five different logos for Halloween and all yeah. of them were Scooby-Doo themed. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So true. So after all these years, man, all these shows have come and gone that were huge, and Scooby-Doo has persevered yeah, and continues to. That's right. That's pretty awesome. Hats off to you, Scooby-Doo. <laughs> you got anything else? I think that's the limits of my uh, bad impressions. If you want to learn more about Scooby-Doo, and I mean like everything, especially if you're interested in television show development, you should read this very unique article on the site. Just type in Scooby-Doo. And the search bar at HowStuffWorks.com, which means now it's time for listener mail. Josh, a while ago we talked about um, acupuncture? Acupuncture. We did. When? Yes. I don't recall. Oh, you recall. We got hammered by people because a lot of people don't like acupuncture. But at the end of that show, we called for uh, surgery horror stories. Uh And we got quite a few, actually. And this is one of them. Okay. And here it is. All right. Guys and Jerry, hope all is well. A friend of a friend went in to have a cancerous testicle removed, and they took out the wrong one. No. It was a basic mistake when you go in for... No, that's not a basic mistake. (laughs) That's what Frank in L.A. describes it as a basic mistake. very forgiving. It wasn't Frank's testicle either. It was a basic mistake uh, when you go in for that operation... 
a nurse puts an X on the inside of the thigh that corresponds with the testicle that is to be removed, mm-hmm. and she marked the wrong leg. Oh, my God. Pretty easy. Someone caught it after it was too late, and they ended up taking both of them out. Uh, when they told him, he started crying. I'll bet. Uh, with laughter. No. <laughs> but his wife was the one that was furious. Uh, I know they received a settlement, but I don't know those details. This is a true story, and I'm more than happy to have my buddy verify it. Really enjoy the podcast. Frank in L.A. Wow. Frank's uh, friend of a friend. Sorry, bud, but sounds like you got a good sense of humor about it. Well, his friend does, at least. Well, friend of a friend. Yeah. So, yeah, nurses, watch out with that Sharpie. Yeah, you want to be, like, fully awake and aware and <laughs> yeah. paying attention when they come into market. It doesn't matter what it is. She's, like, a checking knee. your cell phone at the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. That's all I got. That's quite enough, Chuck. Thank you for that. And thank you for joining us with us talking about Scooby-Doo. Um, we'll see you next time. In the meantime, go check us out on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter. We're on fire. And uh, we're SYSK Podcast on Twitter, by the way. Indeed. Uh, and you can email us the old-fashioned way at stuffpodcast at howstuffworks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. 